1: Welcome into a Wednesday edition of the to wire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Nick Whalen, joined as I will be every Wednesday throughout the NBA season uh, by my good friend, Brandon Kravitz. Uh, Brandon, we we were just comparing weather here as I am in uh, southeastern Wisconsin. You are down in Florida and somehow it is the same temperature uh, in Milwaukee as it is in the greater Orlando area today. So we have we've reached that time of the year. And I, I think that officially means that we're less than a week out from NBA season.
2: Absolutely. I've been wearing a long sleeve shirt for almost 24 straight hours now. It's a wonderful thing. I mean, it's a welcomed addition to the outside scope here in Florida because it's been humid, hot and disgusting for as long as I can remember. So whenever you get that chill in the air, it is always a welcomed feeling
1: it's good and bad. All right. Well, For uh, you, it's then, bad
2: because once you feel it, you know, it's, things are about to go south quickly. For us, it's like, uh, exactly. It's going to be 80 degrees by next week.
1: It's going to be 41 degrees by the middle of next week here in Wisconsin. So those of us who enjoy the, the great game of golf, uh, those days are, those days are coming to an end very quickly. So I'm going to get out a couple times this weekend. And I think that's going to be the final hurrah for the year, uh, but we did not come here to talk weather. We did not come here to talk about my very pedestrian amateur golf game. Uh, We got a lot to get to on the show today. I want to run through some preseason notes, you know, preseason coming to an end soon. Uh, We've seen most teams now in action three or four times, Uh, a couple teams finishing out their slate as the week goes along. Uh, We're going to talk about an article that I put up on the site earlier this week detailing, you know, if you want to have a safe draft or you want to have a somewhat safe draft and you want to know which players to target in each round, we'll talk about, you know, some of our kind of safety valve players uh, that we can always fall back on year in and year out. Um, well, just kind of jump around, hit some other news items. Yeah, I just saw a tweet, Brandon, uh, indicating that James Harden is a no-show at Sixers practice today. I like, I, I still feel like we're, we're at shots. square one. Well, well <laughs> what, what, like, what's the, what's the goal here at this point? If you're, if you're hard, obviously it's still to, to force some sort of trade. But like, why show up in the first place? Practice, but not scrimmage. Uh, you know, be around the team, and now he's away from the team. Like, I, I don't really know what levers. He's exactly trying to pull here. You know, there was some reporting, you know, unsourced or at least anonymously sourced yesterday. You know that the the Sixers are starting to canvass a little bit more aggressively as far as you know what a James Harden trade might look like, getting some other teams beyond the Clippers involved. Um, I I still think the most likely scenario, given that we're six days away from opening night, is that Harden opens the season with the team. But I I don't know if he's going to be out there at opening night. Like I still think he'll be a member of the Sixers. But do you do you expect him to play in their first game of the season? I don't th- – so I've
2: actually changed my tune on this the last couple of days. I don't think he's going to be on the team by the time this the, the season starts. Really? I know that it's coming, coming up soon. We're only a few days away from that. But this is a situation that, as James Harden has said himself, is not repairable. The Sixers have high expectations this year. They can't start the season with a headache like this. You're not going to get great value. That ship has sailed a long time ago. You just have to move off of James Harden, get what you can. They know that. And it seems like he's willing to play hardball in terms of not suiting up. He It's said that he just wants to play basketball, but I think it was with a dot, dot, dot implied, not for you. So I don't think he's going to be on the team. He'll probably be, he might be traded by the time we drop this episode.
1: It's possible. It's possible. Uh, you know, I, I think the fact that it's Daryl Morey on the other side of this, and he's like the one GM who I feel like has the the best track record of not being pushed around in these scenarios, I I, I have a hard time believing that he's just going to cave and, and take 60 cents on the dollar for James Harden. But you know, it, it's, it's gotten to the point now where I, I think both sides would like this to be resolved before opening night. And that pressure is only going to turn up before we get to the middle of next week and the Sixers play their first game. You know, Is there any other team that you could see emerging other than the LA Clippers. Like, I, I I don't know what team is lining up to get James Harden right now. I, I think there are some teams that are probably monitoring this and saying, okay, you know, if, if we could see him play for a couple months and, and see that he's engaged and see that he still has it, uh, you know, maybe later on, depending on how our season's going, we would consider bringing a player like that in. You know, you think of a team like the Heat or, I don't know, the Lakers, who are always open to bringing in any big-name player. Uh, but I, I don't, I think those teams feel pretty good about where they're at right now. I wouldn't be aggressive in, in pushing the Clippers on that deal. I, I think... If you're the Sixers and you say, you know, let's just, you know, for for the sake of conversation, you want to trade him by opening night. I I think my goal would be getting a third team involved because I'm not, I'm just not thrilled with what LA could offer here. Like I'm not, I'm not the biggest Terrence Mann guy. I know they're calling him like borderline untouchable. I don't, I I get it. He's looked okay. You know, when he's been given the opportunity, but if that's the headliner that I'm getting back for James Harden, I'm not psyched about it. You know, it could be someone like Norman Powell who's you know a good 15 to 18 point per game guy off the bench. That's fine. Um, But you know, unless you get another team involved, as the Sixers, I don't think you're going to get anything close to what, you know, peak James Harden gives you.
2: I think the most likely scenarios he gets dealt for, especially if it's the Clippers, an unprotected first-round pick, and then if you're Philadelphia, you cross your fingers and hope that the Clippers end up dealing with the injury bug, and that turns into a really valuable commodity. But I just don't think you're going to get a player of any substance in return at this point. I know it sounds crazy to say James Harden, at his best, is a really good player, There's just there's not a big market for him. The season's about to start. All these rosters are locked in, and the Sixers want to get rid of him a whole lot more than these other teams seem to want to bring him in. I do think the Clippers make the most sense. I've thought that all along, uh, far and away, at the top of the list. There are a couple of others. I think Minnesota would be interesting uh, to add another piece to, to their offense. Um, I mean, if the Raptors wanted to try something different, uh, I don't see them making a move like that. I know people keep throwing Miami out there. I think there's a less than 0% chance. He ends up with the Miami heat. Jimmy Butler has had a hard time getting along with teammates over the years because, because uh, other players he's played with aren't completely Mm -hmm. locked in and committed to basketball. James Harden strikes me as the kind of guy that would drive him absolutely crazy.
1: So there's no question about that. I, I agree with you. I also like Part of me, just as a a basketball uh, fan, just out of pure curiosity, I, I kind of want to see him in Miami to see if that's the one organization that could get the most out of him, right? Like for the most part, right. they've they've avoided, you know, these these I wouldn't say troubled players. Like that, that's not really fair to James Harden, but guys like Harden, you know, they they tend to avoid. Uh, but I, I think you know some of these same criticisms that we we have about James Harden right now, well, we we could have said the same thing about Jimmy Butler when he was you know forcing his way out of Minnesota on national television. And, you know, you go to Miami and, and you, you kind of get with that organization, you get with that coaching staff and they have a way about, you know, maximizing players, especially players like Harden, who we've kind of questioned, you know, what, what kind of shape they're in to begin seasons. Like Miami doesn't doesn't deal with any of that, you know? So I, I, I do think that there's a case to be made that if there's one team that could kind of get James Harden where he needs to be at this point in his career, it is the heat. Uh, but I I think Miami is content to, to kind of sit back, play this out at least until, you know, midseason trade deadline and that's you know, when they would hopefully, you know, an, another superstar shakes free and, and potentially make their move after striking out on Damian Lillard. I, I do want to ask you, you know, if, if you think James Harden is being dealt in the next week or so, what does this mean for Tyrese Maxey? You know, his his composite ADP right now, we have a great page on rotowire.com. You can compare ADP from ESPN, CBS, Yahoo, Underdog, Fantrax, all the main sites. Um, you know, Maxey's at 60.2 right now. He went 56 overall uh, in a, a 14-team Roto League. That I did last night. If you think Harden's out the door and they're not bringing back another high usage star in that deal, which seems unlikely, does that mean that you're willing you know, to, to push Tyrese Maxey up uh, you know, a half round or maybe even a full round?
2: Absolutely. I, I think a full round sounds like the right sort of move in terms of uh, the way his value would increase with James Harden not on the floor. We thought last year was going to be that big breakout for Tyrese Maxey. He really just kind of steadied and stayed the same he didn't have that big breakout season we were expecting without James Harden I think that statistically you would get that he's improving or you you at least think at his stage in the game that he should be taking that next step mm-hmm. it just seems like he hit a little bit of a plateau but with James Harden not in the way uh, i th- somebody's got a score other than Joel Embiid so you would expect some really mm-hmm. big nights for Maxie
1: yeah, I like Maxey a lot, um, you know, Roto or points. Uh, I, I don't think there's a huge distinction there. Although in Roto leagues, you know, 85% at the free throw line last year, that was actually his worst mark in three seasons. You know, he's he's had some 87, 88% years at the line. Uh, for for as small of a player, as he is, uh, to, to shoot, you know, 48% from the field in back-to-back years is huge. I mean, he was up over 43% from three last season. And, you know, just going into his age 23 year, I think a lot to like about Tyrese Maxey. I, I don't have him in enough leagues yet. I, I took Shangun. Over him, uh, you know, just kind of based on on my build, I started Tyrese Halliburton, Desmond Bain, Pascal Siakam with my first three picks and and wanted to get a big man there. But I I certainly considered uh, taking Tyrese Maxey in round four of that Roto draft last night. Um, All right. I want to hit some some kind of random preseason notes here, uh, Brandon, that we'll get into some of the safest players to draft, hit a few other topics uh, over the next 40 minutes or so. Your team, the Orlando Magic, uh, was in action last night. They were taking on the New Orleans Pelicans. You know, we, we saw kind of a a weird game for the Pelicans over the weekend. They were playing the Rockets, and you know there were a few super cuts going around on Twitter of like just woefully poor effort levels on the defensive end from from the Pelicans, including Zion Williamson. But uh, this was the Zion that we've been wanting to see. Last night, played 16 minutes, went six of eight from the field, 16 points, three rebounds, three assists, five steals, and two blocks. You know, we, we have to put out the caveat every time we talk about Zion, the injuries. You know, he's basically been a like 30 to 50 game player. Are you willing to take that risk this time around? Has he shown you enough?
2: Uh, just being there in the building last night, being able to see him in person for the first time, I've always, the Zion appearance has always eluded me because he's either been hurt or there was COVID and I couldn't go to the building. There was always something going on. Uh, I, yeah, all, 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 all the, uh, all restraints are off for me. I'm blown away. I mean, this is the Zion that I that I had hoped to see when when witnessing it in person. Uh, it was it was the best version of of him playing basketball. Plays above the rim. Played hard on defense. Got his teammates involved. He knows his space on the floor. If he's gonna play like that. I mean, look, he only played 29 games last year. That's been well documented. But look at the numbers he put up when he was on the floor. 26 points per game, 7 rebounds, 5 assists. Now he's going to add uh, the, the defensive side uh, into in, his repertoire. Uh, we know he's capable of it, but was he a willing defender? And and that body seems like he has been working out a bit. He looked more put together than, than Pudgy, which we have seen from Zion. Absolutely blown away. Um, perhaps a little, still, uh, still a little high off of what I witnessed last night, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm totally in on Zion.
1: I want to be in. I really do. I, I will take him. I've decided like at or around ADP, you know, he went, he went in the the early forties. I think it was 41 overall, uh, in the, the 18 Roto league that we drafted last night. And I, I'm still not willing to go there. Like I'm not jumping ADP for Zion. We've learned our lesson on that one, too many times, but I like last year he was a total cross off for me. Like I I wouldn't have taken him anywhere inside, probably the top, you know, 65 or 70, you know, this year, if it, if it gets to like, you know, the end of round four, you know, if we're talking like Shangun uh versus Zion or Tyrese Maxey versus Zion, like that, that, that is more of a debate to me. I think you just have to be realistic about what the expectations are. Like if you're, if you're big on Zion, like, and you're taking him you know, early in round three, which you'll see every now and then, like, I, I think you have to expect 50 to 55 games. Anything you get beyond that is a bonus. That's great. Uh, but you you cannot really plan your team, especially in a roto league, where you're you're so worried about specific categories and and you know kind of trying to balance risk reward early in the draft. I, I, I'm I'm not willing to go as far as to say, all right, I, I think he can play 65 games. Like you know, 50 to me is is a win if he gets there.
2: So I think it really depends on your own confidence of your ability to find players that you think could be suitable replacements later in the draft if you if you think that you have those players targeted then take your shots at the point where zion is going off the board i think you make a really good point do you want to jump adp super aggressively with zion you probably you're more likely to get burned uh than have that pay off but if you get him at cost there are some of those guys we might even end up talking about them the safer players like, I'm drafting him. I'm looking right now at rotowire.com, being drafted right around the same spot as Nick Vucevic. I'm taking Zion every day of the week because we know what Vuce is. He'll give you that nice, steady performance, 17 and 11, pretty much every single night. But yeah. Zion's got that league winning upside. I'm just willing mm-hmm. to take that shot at cost, I think, without a doubt. Um I am because uh, when he plays, he is just a complete difference maker. And his style is so conducive to just simply putting up these gaudy stats. I want to be on the right side of that.
1: Yeah, you know, I would go as far as to say that he is him when he plays. Brandon, he, uh, he as, really as, is. Uh, I mean, he's much younger than me. Say,
2: Yeah, 100 uh, yeah. percent true. I thought he was for both teams. He was the best player on that I saw on the floor last night without a mm-hmm. doubt. And Franz played really well, by the way.
1: Yeah, well, let's talk about the magic side of this. I, I can assure you that this will be the most magic-slanted basketball podcast that anybody listens to throughout the season. I mean, yeah, you are I you apologize are as, you,
2: in advance for that.
1: Oh, hey, that's that's a good thing. The magic are a fun team this year. Uh, you know, you are as boots on the ground as it gets with the Orlando Magic. And uh, it was not a great night for Paolo Baccaro. You know, for the most part, I think he's looked really good in the preseason, but two of nine last night uh for five points in just 20 minutes. Uh, you mentioned Franz, he looked fantastic. Uh, he he got to mention in the safest players article, 19 points for him on eight of 11 in just 19 minutes. Um, Anything else to point out either from this game last night against new Orleans or just some, you know, general preseason long trends that you've noticed with Orlando.
2: Uh, Yeah. I mean, just as a team in general, this isn't one single player specific, but it could help bolster some of the fantasy value for these guys is that they've put a lot of emphasis into shooting more corner threes. I tracked it during the first half last night, They attempted nine threes from the corner. They made six of them. This is a team that really struggled with their three-point shooting percentage. And it wasn't just one guy. Jalen Suggs, Gary Harris, Wendell Carter Jr., uh, Franz Wagner, all these guys. It was clearly a mission from Jamal Mosley to... Uh, to to spray to for spacing purposes and to have everybody feel comfortable in that spot because it's the most high percentage three that's out there. So it's a clear point of emphasis for this team. If it's something that works throughout the, I don't expect them to shoot at that rate uh, over 50% mm-hmm. over the course of the season from deep. It's a little unrealistic, but uh, they were the 25th worst team in the NBA in, ter- in terms of three point shooting. Okay. So hopefully you see that improve just based on the game plan Anthony Black and Jet Howard, I think you can take off your board completely. I think that might be my biggest fantasy takeaway from last night. Those guys didn't play until the second half. This was a full dress rehearsal for the Magic and for the Pelicans. So last night was a good indication of what this team is, what the rotations are going to look like. And those two guys, I know they were drafted inside of the top 11. And for Anthony Black, drafted inside of the top 10, he was the sixth overall pick. These guys are going to be non-factors early on in the season.
1: Where do you come in on the Magic win total? 37 and a half is the number at FanDuel. Uh, you'll see some 36 and a halves out there at some other books. This was a 34 win team a year ago. Uh, James Anderson and I you know, did our, our annual win totals pod for the East earlier this week. I hate to say it, Brandon, we both went under on the magic. I, I, I like where this team is headed overall, but part of the reason is what you just mentioned. Like they, they had two lottery picks. I don't think either of those guys are going to be real impact players this season. You know, there are other, their other huge offseason addition was bringing in Joe Ingles, who to me looked completely washed uh, as a member of the Bucks last season. So I, I, I think there's going to be you know internal improvement with guys like Bankero and Wagner. Um, but I, I always worry about how many games Wendell Carter is going to play, and you know the shooting to me remains a big concern, right? Like if you're starting Fultz and Suggs and you know Bankero, I, I think he'll shoot it better this year, but went through some big time struggles. I think he hit like one three in the month of February last season. Like I, I do worry about the overall shooting on this team. Uh, you, know, you you could be starting like two of the worst shooting guards in the NBA together.
2: I think the other side of that though, is that faults and especially Jalen Suggs are really good defensive players. So they should sure. be able to, they should be able to slow down opposing guards a little bit better than most teams around the NBA. So maybe they can mitigate some of that. And on the nights where they are shooting well, uh, they're going to have um, quite the advantage because of that. Franz is going to be steady. Mm-hmm. Palos, Palos. So, I mean, I don't need to sell you on that. The reason why I would take the over, and I know that that shocks you. I'm the magic guy. I've taken the, the over for the win total. Last year, they started 5-20. and 20. They, were, they mm-hmm. were just brutalized by injury. They were an above 500 team from the 26th game on the remainder of the season i think that's a better indication of what they are a team that's like 41 40 42 and 40 or or 40 and 42 like that's that to me is what the magic are right now and when Mm -hmm. you consider some of those players that uh the the cole anthony markel fultz jalen suggs that glut at guard these are all guys that are in contract years so you're about to get one hell of an effort from all of them we know players always play their best when they're playing for the dollar so i think i think the magic are good for close to 40 wins
1: we will see we will see we'll go head to head on that one I, I i still like the under especially if you're getting it at 37 and a half i i think this is a team to me that that will be in the in the play-in uh you know conversation i i don't know that i see them you know pushing for like six seven seed to me they're they're closer to the bottom end of that but uh very interested to see how that plays out we got to talk about somebody that I did not think we would mention at any point through the first few weeks of this pod, Brandon, Julian Strother out in Denver, uh, continuing to play well in the preseason uh, had 12 points last night against the Clippers. That was actually his worst game by far of the exhibition slate. Uh, went three of 11 from the field, two of seven from three. But prior to that, he'd had three straight games where he'd hit four three pointers. you uh, just coming in with a ton of confidence, somebody that they traded back into the first round to get uh, at pick 29 out of Gonzaga. I- I'm, you know, a little bit hesitant as far as what his role will be right away. You know, this is a team that still has KCP. They got, they got Christian Brown, who they're expecting to take a big leap this season. I mean, Justin holiday who's kind of been this like random plug and play guy. And I I think it's kind of a trustworthy veteran uh, on both ends of the floor. I think he'll play as well. And you know, Reggie Jackson's in the mix at guard. So I I don't know that Strother is going to be walking into like 20 minutes a night right away, but I, I think this is someone that at this point we we do need to be keeping an eye on, and you know if you're looking for just one of those like Hail Mary picks in in the last two rounds of a draft, like he's somebody that I'm I'm willing to entertain now uh, in that conversation.
2: Yeah. It's fun to slam the button on a guy that's been outstanding in the preseason. I think this is more preseason fool's gold than anything else, yeah. but he was outstanding at Gonzaga seems to have rolled right over into this opportunity with Denver. I just don't see where the minutes really are. So this, um, this is a name that when he does pop up at random due to injury, yeah. we'll go, Hey, remember when he had that great preseason? Uh, but other than yeah. <clears throat> that I I think you'll probably you might draft him and feel you know you'll feel good about it hitting that button late in drafts and then he'll be on the waiver wire sooner than later.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping this is not like a, a Josh Selby summer league conversation. You know, somebody that we're bringing up ten years later, being like, oh yeah, he was a summer league MVP. That, w- that was a fun time. Um, all right, r- real quickly, I want to ask you about Chris Tapp's Porzingis, who has looked amazing uh, through through the preseason. I mean, I, I think one of the concerns with Porzingis fantasy wise was all right, he was kind of like the the option one A one B. Over the second half of last season, once Bradley Beal was out of the lineup in Washington, now he goes to potentially being the the third or even fourth option on a lot of nights for the Celtics. But he's been a seamless fit. I I think in a very limited preseason sample, he looks to be like somebody who's benefiting from playing with better players around him. I mean, just some of the looks that he's getting, some of the wide open threes. uh, You know, He's four of eight from downtown last night in a win over the Knicks. 20 points, eight boards, two blocks in 28 minutes. I, I remain skeptical he's exactly the type of player that I typically avoid. I I, I always tend to be a a safer drafter, whether we're talking fantasy football or fantasy basketball. I don't like taking guys to have a track record of playing like 43 games a year. Uh, Where are you at on on Porzingis? Has he, has he kind of convinced you to take that leap at all?
2: I'm, I'm pretty much the same way. If I don't get one of those elite bigs at the top, I usually end up more, more safe in terms of filling out that roster spot. But he does intrigue me because of his unicorn ability though. Mm -hmm. we've been uh, privy to throughout the course of his career 50 percent from three last night this is a guy that can knock it down if you do leave him open and the celtics are going to score enough points where if you're the third option you can still have decent numbers i would say Mm -hmm. buyer beware a little bit of just judging based on what you saw last night even though you know it's not like an oddity stat line but he he also he only played 28 minutes he'll give you more than that in the regular season when he plays the knicks he's gonna blow up so that's, it's sort of, yeah. that's my point. He's going to have his Fair best enough. outings will be against his yes. former team. I can almost guarantee that. I like Porzingis. Don't love yeah. him. not willing to reach on him.
1: Yeah, I hope he stays healthy. I mean, it's, it's significantly more fun when guys like him are involved. You could say the same thing about Zion Williamson. Like I, obviously I, I am a Bucks fan. I would prefer that the Bucs are the team that emerges from the East. And I think the Celtics are, you know, the primary team that's going to stand in their way, but I, I don't want to, Go into the Eastern Conference Finals with Kristaps Porzingis out with a knee injury. You know, I think it's more yeah. fun if if you know if all these guys are at full strength, but still not ready to to you know draft a guy like that in the 30s in a fantasy draft. Let's talk a little Toronto Raptors, Brandon. They they get a 106 102 win in the preseason last night over the Chicago Bulls. Uh, this one you know, felt like a pretty real dress rehearsal, I think, for both sides. Right? Uh, we saw you know most players play into the the late 20s. Uh, a lot of the key guys. On both teams in terms of minutes. Yeah, we saw, I think, a relatively realistic spread of of what the minutes could look like off the bench for both sides. I'm curious to get your take on like what is the general direction for the Toronto Raptors this season? Like they, they they to me were one of the most difficult win totals to pick. And you're getting a low number as far as the Raptors go. I think it was like 37 and a half, down actually now down to 35 and a half. Wow at the DraftKings Sportsbook. It was 37 and a half on Monday. Uh, when we recorded that pod, so it's already on the decline. I think there is, there is this underlying belief that okay, Toronto's going to feel it out. They're they're going to see what their team is, but you know this could finally be the year where you know that they, they they look to hit some sort of. I don't think it'll be a full reset. You know, I don't think they're the type of team that wants to go into a season and, and win like 18 games. Um But you know, they have a, a smart, forward-thinking front office, a front office that we trust to make the right decisions. Uh, you know, what do you think this team looks like early on? And is there an op- is there a chance, I should say, you know, that Pascal Siakam, OGN, and Obi guys like that could be on the move if they want to eventually reset this thing around Scotty Barnes?
2: I, I just, I don't think they're the type of organization to bottom out. So that's where I'm a skeptical on that number, but clearly that's been hit by some smart money for it to drop by a couple mm-hmm. of wins. Um, so, you know, t- take that into account. Uh, but just to, based on my perception of the Toronto Raptors, they are... They're the heat of the North. They don't do it quite as well, but they do have a championship in the last several years to their name because of their ability to get aggressive when when they know it can put them over the top. So getting Kawhi Leonard, I think it, uh-huh. it definitely had a lot of us in the basketball community taking them more seriously as a franchise yeah. that's willing to put the pedal to the metal when they see they have a roster that can win. I'm not sure this is that roster, but I don't trust them to bottom out. So I think they're going to hold a number of these pieces so that they can at least maintain some level of stability. Do they move off of a Gary Trent Jr. who they brought back? Do they move off of OG Ananobi, whose name has lived on the trade block? Even Pascal Siakam, if they wanted to swing for the fences and bring in someone else to just shake things up. All of those things are possibilities, but... I felt like last year was the year if they were going to make moves to blow up this roster. The fact that that didn't happen makes me think uh-huh. they're just going to stay the course. And and they just ca- cross their fingers and hope that one of these guys like Scotty Barnes turns into a full-blown superstar.
1: Yeah, Scotty Barnes looked great last night. 22, six rebounds, three assists, two steals, four blocks. Uh, I've not got as much Scotty Barnes as I would like this year. I, I went went hard on Scotty Barnes uh, last year, Brandon, and that worked out to, to varying degrees, uh, but it was not quite the second year leap we were expecting. But I think I think the best case scenario for Barnes is they do, you know, hit a hard reset midseason, right? And I think Siakam to me is the obvious one. And, uh, you know, OG and Obi, I, I think they they value him, and, and rightfully so. They value him maybe more than, than a lot of other teams do. Like you said, he's been in every trade conversation for the last two years, and they never pull the trigger uh, because I think they, they really place a high value on what he could be. Siakam, love the player. You know he, he's one of the safest guys to draft in fantasy every year. Uh, he to, you know, plays a ton of minutes, and we'll, we'll see what you know what that looks like post Nick Nurse, because that was something that always gave the Toronto Raptors like a five percent boost because you just knew those starters were going to play like thirty six to thirty eight minutes every night right. when a lot of teams aren't doing that anymore. Um, but, but Siakam is an expiring contract. You know he, he's kind of gunning for for a potential supermax eligibility, and you know this will be his his age thirty season, right? And I, I, uh, Toronto to me is not the type of franchise that is going to want to pay a max or or certainly not a super max to a player of of, of where Siakam is at in his career right now.
2: Yeah, I agree. Uh, But if he does, I mean, if he maintains that level of all NBA sort of status, then why not? So if there's, if they're looking for the, what is the core moving forward? It's, it's hard to move off of a guy like that. I Mm -hmm. think unless you have a and it's just, you also have to keep in mind this upcoming draft is not supposed to be what this past one was. There's yeah. no Wimbanyama coming out, so you, if you're going to bottom out, what are you doing it for? It's, a, it's another thing to oh. keep in mind when when projecting forward.
1: So you're right about the draft, but I, I also feel like we say this like every other year. You know, there, there's not a Wimbenyama prize, no question about that. And there's as of right now, there's not even a you know a Scoot Henderson level prospect I think available, but. I feel like historically, every time that we've said it's a bad draft, there's always somebody, right? Somebody emerges, uh, whether it's, you know, now, now you got all these different channels, whether it's the G League Ignite, whether it's overtime, whether it's a college player. You know, I, you know, I think Brandon Miller was on the radar coming into the college season. I, I don't think, you know, going into November of last year, anybody would have said that Brandon Miller was you know, going to go number two overall in the draft. So I'm, I'm of the belief that drafts, you know, that we think are going to be bad. Always, you know, you talk yourself into players. It's the same thing in the NFL when you say, oh, it's a bad quarterback draft. And what happens every time you got three quarterbacks that go in the top five picks because of need. And because teams talk themselves into these players. Um, you know, the other thing to keep an eye on with Toronto, Brandon is they owe their 2024 first round pick to San Antonio and it is protected one through six. So what they don't want to be is like the seventh worst team. And you're, you're handing over the number seven pick to San Antonio. So you either, you either need to be confidently, you know, in that like middle zone in the East where you're pushing for a playoff spot or a play in spot. And you're okay, maybe forking over like the fifteenth overall pick. Um, but the, the other side of that is, if if you do decide to rebuild this thing and you do sell off pieces, you don't like how you start the season, you got to make sure you're in the bottom six because the whole yeah. point of that is is not to you know be giving up a, a lottery pick to San Antonio. So they have they have some interesting things to keep in mind in terms of that 2024 pick.
2: Yeah, there'll be a fun team to keep an eye on early on in the season, because if they end up outproducing what we expect from them, then they probably don't do anything. This is this is not an organization that wants to make big moves, but they'll make them if they have to. I just haven't really seen them bottom out in a long time. So it's hard right. for me to believe that they're going to do that. But please remind me throughout the course of the season that when the Raptors play the Bulls to just take the underdog. Whoever's catching points, take that team because these teams are evenly uh, matched.
1: Yeah, man. Well, we'll talk about the Bulls on, a, on another episode. That's just uh, that's a franchise that to me is just you know they are dead set on wing. Exactly thirty eight games uh, with the roster they have. This right is the Spider
2: Man meme. These two yeah. teams are the same.
1: But at least one of them has Scotty Barnes, right? It's like the Bulls don't have that that young asset that you know conceivably you could you could talk yourself into building around. And you know even even Ananobi and Siakam, it's like I, I think those guys probably have more trade value you know, certainly that Vucevic does at this point and, you know, DeRozan's expiring. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to go down the Bulls rabbit hole. This is, this is dangerous <laughs> territory. We'll, we'll save that uh, for another week. Fair. Before we talk about the safest players to target in each round, uh, we got a couple of messages to pass along from our wonderful sponsors. First underdog fantasy underdog is the number one platform for best ball leagues. And that includes fantasy basketball. It's not just football over at underdog underdogs featured best ball tournament for the upcoming season has $500,000 in total prizes If you have not tried Underdog yet, new users at Underdog receive a first-time deposit bonus up to $100, plus you get a free six-month subscription to Rotowire that takes you through obviously all of draft season, most of the NBA season. All you got to do to get that subscription and to get that deposit bonus is use the promo code RWNFL. That's RWNFL. Go to underdogfantasy.com or you can download the Underdog app. It's one of the best fantasy apps out there. Really friendly user interface go download that app or go to underdogfantasy.com and again be sure to use our promo code RWNFL that will get you the deposit bonus up to 100 bucks as well as the free 6 month subscription to Rotowire and that's all sports. You know, if you're if you're prepping for your fantasy baseball draft, it's not like you just get NBA content, you get everything that we offer over at Rotowire. We're also welcoming a new sponsor to the pod this week. That is Vivid Seats. The NBA season is almost here and on behalf of our friends at Vivid Seats, let's get one thing clear. Nothing Nothing, Brandon, beats seeing your favorite team crush it on the court to the sound of thousands of screaming fans. Every dunk, every dribble, and every heart-pounding play from your favorite team live and in person. And because Vivid Seats is the only ticketing company where you can earn rewards on every purchase, you can score amazing deals and unrivaled annual awards all season long. Plus, with a 100% buyer guarantee, you can be sure your ticket will be as legit as your love for the game. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today and use our promo code ROTOWIRE, R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E. That'll get you $20 off your first ticket purchase of at least $200. Again, that promo code is ROTOWIRE for $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase. Download the app or visit VividSeats.com. Vivid Seats, experience it live. All right, Brandon, I mentioned at the top, uh, put up a piece uh, that, that you can find at rotowire.com. It also went uh, up on Yahoo Fantasy Basketball. So check it out uh, on one of those two platforms, the safest players to target in each round. And you know, obviously, when, when you're talking safe players in in any sort of fantasy game, the number one thing that comes to mind is games played, right? And, and that, is, that is at the forefront more than it's ever been in fantasy basketball. These last two seasons, especially, I think have been... Extremely frustrating. You know, I've had a couple of leagues that have converted from weekly lineups to daily lineups just because of, you know, how, how much variance there's been in terms of games missed. I know the NBA, they continue to implement, you know, small changes to to try to you know, spur players into playing more. I, I'm not of the belief that we're going to see a massive turnaround. You know, I think maybe over the, over the long term uh, that there might be a trend that the NBA can, can kind of work on. But I don't think year over year, you know, all these guys that played 60 to 65 games are suddenly going to be playing 77, 78 games. So this is something we're going to be dealing with year in and year out. The important thing for me, when I go into a draft, especially early on, you want to find that, that risk reward balance. You don't want to take all safe players, but you know if you're, if you're drafting Kyrie Irving in the second, or you're taking Zion Williamson, like you want to balance that out and make sure that if things go awry with a guy like that, uh, that, that you have you know some safety to fall back on. So I went through, I broke down the, the safest player to target in each round talked about some of the honorable mentions, you know, other safe players uh, and in round one, It was pretty obvious. You know, I I almost felt bad, you know, writing this one up because everybody's like, duh, but Nikola Jokic, you know, part of what makes him so unique in fantasy is not only does he have the highest upside of any player in the NBA. I I think you could argue that he's also the safest of all the superstars.
2: Yeah. I don't know how much we need to sell people on Nikola Jokic, but I completely agree. I mean, he's, he is the 101 for me without a doubt. Uh, I actually just did two underdog drafts just a couple of days ago. And, you know, they place you randomly in their best ball drafts in terms of your draft position. That's not like, you know, you have to, like, race your friends or anything like that for the season long leagues. I had, I wound up with the number one pick in both. And oh. I did not overthink it. I just took Jokic okay. in both both drafts. Let's just load up on that. I'm fine having Jokic shares this uh-huh. year.
1: Yeah, and that's about exactly what I put in the piece, was, look, if you're at 1-1, don't overthink it. Take Nikola Jokic. There's been really no reason to believe that that's not the safest investment you can make. And, you know, look, at some point, he's probably going to get hurt, but he's been wildly durable. I think there's something to be said about, you know, he's been criticized for his physique, but I also think there's just something about, like, the the lack of strain, I think, that he puts on his body, especially during the offseason. Like, in a roundabout way, I think that actually helps him. In the NBA, uh, he's, he's not somebody that's ever you know put a ton of time into his body, and, and for the most part, it's worked out for him. So I'm not going to tell him to to adjust that. Uh, you know, he's, he's averaging 74 and a half games per season since coming into the league, uh, which is you know extremely high, especially when you compare it uh, to a lot of the guys that that go in round one. So not a whole lot to say there. You know, I mentioned Jason Tatum as as my honorable mention. You know, the great thing about Tatum is you can often get him you know five, six, seven, sometimes you know even later in the first round. And there are certainly players with more upside. Like I don't think in a best case scenario, Jason Tatum has like number one overall player upside, but you know, his ADP right now is 5.4. If you take him at five, you know, like worst case scenario, it feels like he's going to return like late first round value.
2: Yeah, he's he's a guy you know exactly what you're going to get. He's been steady over the years, and and I think he still has MVP, um, an MVP-level season in him. We talked about that on one of our prior episodes. I actually think he's a good value uh, at MVP, and he's, if he's able to pull off something like that or anything even close to it, then he's going to return that value and then some. So, yeah, when I get to that, that range where the guys that, that should go ahead, the obvious, Jokic, Doncic, Embiid, uh, Giannis. I'm taking uh, SGA over Tatum, but I think right after that, I'm going. I, I would take Jason Tatum over Tyrese Halliburton. I don't know where you end up landing on that.
1: Yeah, I I, I think I would have done the same thing last night uh, in our in our rota league. I actually ended up taking Halliburton at four uh, over SGA. Tatum went three in that draft. Uh, I believe it was an auto draft situation, so I, I, I would have would have been happy to land Tatum. Like that's that's exactly the type of draft that that I tend to to lean on, uh, especially in a roto league. Like I, I love Luca, but the free throw percentage for how many he takes and how little improvement there's been like that, that really is kind of a killer. Uh, and Tatum is just you know so well-rounded across the board. I, I don't really, I don't really worry about, you know, the arrival of Porzingis and Holiday impacting him too much. You know, if anything, you worry about maybe Jalen Brown taking a slight step back in terms of usage. But I think Tatum is, is pretty solidly installed as their number one option. Uh, you know, in round two, and you know, we, we won't just narrate my entire article, I, I will say that, but uh, these early round picks are fun to talk about. You know, I Trey Young is who I settled on for my safest pick in round two. And I, I think there is a there is a disconnect between how we think about Trey Young in real life and how we should think about him in fantasy. I mean, he's been a top 15 player in four straight years. He's got a pair of top five finishes in that span. Uh, for, for a player who's as small and slight as he is, I mean, he's been remarkably durable.
2: Yeah, 73 and 76 games the last two seasons. I love this. I love the fact that you teed this up in your article because you're 100% right. We viewed Trey Young as a guy. Who go Okay, well, I mean it regular season success. The guy can't get it done in the playoffs. So you get that one blip of the Eastern Conference Finals appearance, but uh, and then th- and then there is that perception that he gets hurt all the time. But the last two years, that has not been the case. And I like the fact that Quinn Snyder has upped the pace. They're up about 15 mm-hmm. spots in the NBA in terms of just overall pace from their days of uh, Nate McMillan being the head coach. So more, p- more pace means more possessions, more chances to score. Uh, the ball does tend to stop with Trey, but I think Quinn Snyder is, is starting to speed yeah. him up a little bit. And if he's knocking down threes, you're going to be very happy having him on your roster.
1: Well, and if the ball stops with them, that's great for fantasy. that <laughs> that might not be great for the Hawks, but that's that's exactly what we want. I want the ball to stop at, in Trey Young's hands. Uh you mentioned the three pointers. So that's that's something to monitor because it's kind of been every other year for him. Like first year in the NBA, you know, he struggled early on, was about two threes per game. Second year, when he really broke out, you know, almost averaged 30, uh, 3.4 made threes per game. The year after that, he's down to 2.2. Then he was back up to 3.1. And then last year it was back down to two point one. You know, I, I think we we think of Trey Young as like this junior version of Stephen Curry, but in terms of volume, that has really not been the case.
2: Yeah, he has moments where he he steps into the Oklahoma version of himself, but he he really does. He gets to the rack really well, and he utilizes that part of his game. Mid range is there, and uh, yeah, I would actually I would like him to shoot more threes because he's quite good at it.
1: Yeah, no question about that. Uh, you know, percentage-wise, he's kind of gone every other year as well. I mean, he was thirty-eight point two percent in 2021-22, down to thirty-three and a half last season. So I guess I guess history suggests that this is the year that he you know bounces back and it keeps that trend going and, and gets you over three 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 pointers per game, which uh, obviously is huge for fantasy. Uh, you know, round three to me is really interesting. There's a, there's a lot of safety in round three. Like I, that, that's actually one of my favorite rounds to draft because I, I feel like you always there's not really a, a player who typically goes in round three where I would say, ah, I didn't really feel good about that pick. You know, it's like you got like LeBron is falling to round three in, in, in a lot of drafts. I'm for the most part skeptical just because of the games played with him. Uh, but like DeJounte Murray, you know, Trey Young's teammate in Atlanta, he's been remarkably durable as well uh, as you know, huge upside in terms of steals. Pascal Siakam uh, is the player I ended up settling on. We've already talked about him, so we don't have to go uh, into a ton of depth. But Bam Adebayo uh, was another player that I highlighted as well. I, I think with Bam, like, there's there's still, like, a little bit of lingering disappointment for me because, you know, I think it was coming out of the bubble season, you know, we're thinking, like, man, this guy this guy could be, like, an end-of-the-first-round type of player if he continues to develop. And he's, he's gotten better at the things that he's already good at, but the fact that he has not been able to expand his shooting range, to me, is is, is a disappointment. And, and obviously Miami's been just fine without that. Uh, you know, the shot blocking is kind of coming on a, a little bit. Uh, but in Roto Leagues, you know, the fact that he was an 80-plus percent free-throw shooter for a guy who was humming around the mid-70s, earlier in his career. Like that, that to me is, is, you know, been the biggest boost to his fantasy profile, not a player who has, I wouldn't even say, you know, top 20, top 15 upside, but if you're taking him at around his ADP of like 32, 33, I I don't see a world in which you're disappointed. Well,
2: and that's what this is all about. Your article is about about safety and delivering on expectations. Sometimes you want to draft players that are going to deliver the output of where you drafted them. Exactly. And he's been able to do that. You pointed out in the article, he ranked 32nd, 34th, 21st, and 31st, uh, respectively, over the last four seasons. So this is a guy that wherever you take him, you know, in that range, he'll give you that if he stays on the floor, and he's proven that he can do that as well.
1: Yeah, so in round four, talked about Jalen Brown, um, you know, another guy who's had some minor injury issues, but uh, for the most part, I feel like it's pretty safe, you know, going to give you third, maybe early fourth round value, depending on how many games he plays. Uh, we already touched on Vucevic. I mean, he's been he's been as safe as it gets. He's he's played seventy games in five of the last seven seasons. Played all eighty two last year. Uh, but he is thirty three, and it, you do feel like at some point, you know, maybe there could be a fall off coming. Uh, talked about Julius Randall in round five. Uh, another guy who I, I think his fantasy profile doesn't necessarily match up with with how he's valued in real life. Uh, what once you get into round six, round seven, that's where we start to get variants. Like, there's not there's not really such thing as like a rock solid safe option when you're talking about picking in the late sixties and and that's kind of why I settled on Franz Wagner. And it's, you know, it's tough when you, when you're talking about a player who's only been in the league for two years. Uh, But I I love what I've seen from Franz Wagner. I love what I've seen from him in the preseason. Uh, He's barely missed any time. I think he's missed what, like five total games over his first two seasons. Uh, But you are more qualified to talk about Franz Wagner than me. So is there, is there another leap coming for him in year three?
2: I think that he can he can take a, a step up, a, a leap I don't see because he's already playing like he's a five-year vet. I don't think you can look at this guy like, oh, it's he's entering into year three, so waiting for that breakout. I think he already is who he is, but who he is is a really good, safe, and steady player. He's an Iron Man. He plays through ankle injuries all the time. It's not that he doesn't get hurt. It's that he's one of the rare players in the NBA that actually plays through his injuries. Yes, I know. It sounds crazy. And he's hot right now, too, coming off of – the guy's just played so much basketball recently. He played Eurobasket last year. FIBA uh, this year, he's played almost all of his NBA games that he's been available for uh, in this preseason. He's shooting 75% from the field. So, mm-hmm. I'm you know, that all of those things. He's going to be the most steady producer on the Magic mm-hmm. night in and night out. Even more so than – Palo will give you the splash yeah. games. Franz is going to give you the same stat line every single night.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like he's the he's gonna like take the torch from like Chris Middleton and Tobias Harris as like just those those perfect safety valves that you can always get like a, a round later than you should be going uh in fantasy drafts. Yeah, because
2: people don't get excited about him, but uh, this is all about like you said, this is about balancing your roster. You're never gonna win by going risk every single round. You're never gonna win going safe every single round. So can you balance those two things? And Franz is the perfect balance to hey, if you took Zion the round before. Go ahead and take Franz and, yes. you know, in, in that range. All
1: right. I want to hit on a couple more players, and then we'll talk about some late round values and uh, and get out of here for the day. <sighs> Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert was a, a major thorn in my side last year. I, I think he is the sole reason uh, that I ended up being a buyer in the Roto-Wire Steak League. I spent way too much on him. That was an auction format. And somehow I got him again in that league. I, I did not want to. Believe me, that was not the goal. But he... He, he went for like thirteen dollars cheaper than last season. Um, basically, it was a situation where I couldn't let Ken Kreitz get him for like fifteen bucks, so I, I ended up, you know, trying to try to bid him up a little bit. Got stuck with him, but I, I think I got him for like sixteen or seventeen in a two hundred dollar budget, which I was okay with. Uh, his ADP in in draft leagues is sixty four point four right now. That's right about where he finished last year. Am I wrong to to think that last year was the baseline? And if he does that again, and you take him in the sixties, so be it. You'll live with it. It's a lot different than taking him like twenty fifth, like you were last year. Um, is there a bounce back here, or are you of the belief that you know Rudy Gobert's best days are behind him?
2: It is crazy when you look back and think of how excited we were that he was with the Minnesota Timberwolves, and just how oh, man. just how yeah, I mean that ADP last year absolutely ridiculous. Did not I was I was
1: so forward. in on that team. I, I actually went and looked back. We we did a like preseason, you know fictional thousand dollar futures bets. And like myself and James Anderson, were like just pounding Timberwolves bets left and right. Uh,
2: Yeah, that feels like last year is what he is. Uh, Fifth overall in the NBA in terms of rebounds, scores about 13 points per game, which isn't that different from what he was doing in Utah. He's giving you the blocks. Uh, I mean, that dropped off a little bit um, last season. I would expect that to bounce back. He's an excellent defensive player. You uh you've mentioned free throw percentage a number of times on the pod today. You're not getting that from no. uh from Mr. Gobert. So you kinda have to just stomach that sort of thing. That's that's par for the yeah. course for uh for most bigs in the NBA. But yeah, I think last year is I think baseline is a good way to put it. I feel like that is that is who he is. You're not going to get mm-hmm. a better version of him, but I, I I can't imagine that that he is continuing to slide in the other direction. I, I think we may have just overvalued him, and, and more than yeah. any, anybody, Minnesota did.
1: I mean, he's only 31, right? I think if he was, yeah. if he was 33, 34, I, I would not be rostering him in any league. But I, I'm of the belief that there could be minor bounce back like I'm not saying he's going to come back and be like two and a half blocks 14 rebounds a game like those those days are probably gone and you know Carl Anthony Towns is also probably playing more than 29 games this year which I don't think I don't think really hurts Gobert all that much but it certainly doesn't help him the more that Towns is in the lineup we didn't see much of a a change in terms of his production with or without Towns last year you mentioned the free throw percentage that's always an issue (laughs) I, I guess at least he's taking like two fewer free throws per game so it's maybe not as damaging as it was in years past but you know, sixty four, sixty five percent. That's something that you're gonna have to work to either lean into and punt, or or try to offset in a roto league. But you just need him to like, like the points and rebounds. I'm not that concerned about. Like, if he just gives you thirteen points and twelve boards again, that's fine. But it's got to be the blocks. Like, he he cannot be yeah, the blocks be have point. to be there. I mean, he was, been,
2: that was his worst. That was his worst season since his rookie year.
1: He, he had half as many blocks last year as he did. Uh, you know, with Utah two years ago. Like that just can't happen. Like e- even if he just gets to like 1.9 or, or 2.0 blocks per game, you could live with that. And I, I think he'll be a decent value. But um, yeah, I, I'm wading into those waters pretty trepidatiously. But I, I do think, if, you know, for a guy with this track record, he's also been wildly healthy as far as like seven-two big men go. Uh, not many guys his size play as many games as he has, you know, over the last decade. So I, I do think there's a little bit more safety there with Gobert uh, than you would think. Everybody feels like they're just completely out on him. Um, I want to ask you about Buddy Heald as well. His ADP uh, sitting in the low 80s. Uh, I mentioned him as, as one of my favorite safe players to target in round seven. Uh, you know, since Buddy Heald entered the league in 2016, he is number one in total games played by 23. Nobody else is even all that close. He's number two in total made three pointers with 1,705. He ranks behind only Stephen Curry in that category. He's finished second in the NBA in total made threes in four consecutive seasons. I actually like him. I think he can get him at like 30 to one to lead the NBA in made threes this year, which is essentially just a hedge against Steph Curry. Uh, you know, if you if, if Curry goes down and plays like 50 games, uh, I think buddy Hield might be the guy that could step in and, and finally get that title. But uh, what worries me is the, 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 trade potential here. And you know, he's, he's one of those guys who's kind of been like half on the trade block for a couple of years. Uh, but after extension talks stalled with the Pacers this off season, like that, that seems more realistic than ever. I, I think as of right now, based on what we've seen in the preseason, there's a pretty good chance he comes off the bench behind Ben Matherin. I don't know that that it really kills him. I, I still think he plays a ton of minutes, but it's not a good thing. Uh, the, the question is, if he's moved, is that something that could you know, negatively impact his value relative to the role that he's held in Indiana for the last couple of years?
2: Yeah, well, you mentioned that Matherin was still able to put up numbers coming off the bench. So clearly that six-man role with Indiana is still able. I wouldn't let that scare you off too much. I think he's being underdrafted based on what he's able to do from three-point range. I don't worry too much about where he ends up because if a team is trading for Buddy Heald at any stage in the season, they're doing that because they want that tool in their tool belt of what he brings in terms of three-point shooting. You're not just adding him so that – so that you can put him on the bench as a new shiny toy that you don't use so buddy healed should be involved wherever he goes now in terms of the best case scenario i don't want him to get traded if i've got buddy healed because i love the way the indiana pacers play basketball very fantasy friendly and so i would like him to stay and if you have him that should be what you're cheering for here but i wouldn't be overly concerned with where he ends ends up because it's going to be a team that needs what he brings to the table. They're going to use him a lot, whoever it is.
1: All right, let's finish out with talking some late round values. You know, if you're we're talking like round 10 and later, uh, you're, you're just you're looking for some upside. You know, oftentimes I'm actually targeting like some some degree of safety with those picks. You know, it's kind of a time to look at your roster, especially if you're in a league that that differentiates between like point guard, shooting guards, ball forward, power forward. Uh, you know, kind of make sure you have some depth. Uh, like I, I went to, went into a league last year where I, I kind of was not really paying attention, like doing the draft on my phone and realized that I have like one small forward eligible player on my roster. And, you know, if that player goes down, obviously you're, you're going to be uh, in a bind. So, you know, it, it's kind of a, a combination for me where let, let's say, you know, your last four picks of a draft, like two of those I'm targeting high upside guys, you know, guys who I could be drop, I could be dropping three weeks into the season, but guys who have conceivable upside. And then I want, you know, I want to just kind of build depth almost like, almost like a real, NBA roster at some positions that I'm not quite as strong at. Uh, one of those guys for me every year, Evita Zubac. Nobody's excited to draft Zubac. You know, he's going on average about pick 128 uh, in drafts this season. But you talk about a guy who plays 70 plus games every year. He's been 72 or above uh, in each of the last four seasons. And two of those were 72 game seasons. Keep that in mind as well. So he didn't miss any time uh, in in 1920 or 2021 20, uh, you know, kind of just a a points, rebounds, and a, a couple blocks type of guy. I shouldn't even say a couple. Like, you know, 1.0 block for him is fine. Uh, field goal percentage is big. And, you know, he's, he's certainly not a plus at the free throw line. But he's got an 80% season under his belt. You know, he's, he's a, about a 71% career free throw shooter. But I, I do have some optimism that he could bounce back in that regard. So he's, again, not going to be a plus uh, in the free throw percentage category in Roto Leagues. But to me, he's also, he's also not somebody that's in, like, the Andre Drummond zone.
2: Yeah, he is a double-double machine. I was just looking up real quick where he ranked in terms of last season. Uh, overall, uh, it was around, I mean, he was like in the, inside the top 20. So this is a guy that for the range that you're getting him at, absolutely, you know what he delivers. He's going to give you a steady amount of points. He's going to give you a ton of rebounds. And he had some monster games last year from what I can remember. Mm-hmm. So ad- definitely a guy. You talk about a depth piece that can help you out. Um, how about Zach Collins of the mm-hmm. San Antonio Spurs going at consensus 132 uh, a more valuable player than I think some give him credit for in terms of field goal percentage occasional three he can rebound averaged at 11 and six last year and I'm kind of looking at this in, in the attention that Wemby is going to get uh, in the paint. Zach Collins is going to be left alone. So uh, this is a team that's going to be in a lot of high-scoring games. I think he could get his. So he's a depth piece that I'm looking to add, and he's almost free.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, I know Barutha is a big Zach Collins guy. I feel like he's taken him in every draft that I've been in with him. And I I do think Wedman Yama helps him a ton. I think the attention that he's going to command on on both ends is going to help Zach Collins kind of settle into more of a super role-player Uh, role which is probably good for him I mean you you do forget he was a lottery pick and I I think expectations have have kind of changed with him since you know all the injuries that he dealt with in Portland and you know kind of felt like his career was almost on the brink for a couple of years there but bounce back with 63 games played last season Uh, if if you just isolate the 20 games in which he played more than 25 minutes he averaged 16 and 8 with four assists a steal and a block per game 53 percent from the field Uh, He's, he's, you know, kind of a borderline plus at the free throw line hovering right around 80%. I mean, for a center, you'll take that every day of the week. Uh, So I like that call quite a bit. And with San Antonio, we're we're certainly going to worry about the direction of this team, especially over the second half. But I I don't really think Zach Collins is in danger of like being shut down or or being limited. You know, obviously, they want to get looks at Webinyama and and Jeremy Sohan. But beyond that, it's like, I, I don't think you're you're holding Zach Collins out. So you know, Sandro Mamu and, and Charles Bassey can get more more tick.
2: That was a phenomenal pronunciation on your part. Oh, well, he's an X
1: buck. He's an X buck. So I had to know that.
2: <laughs> um, I, I got I got another one that I always okay. that, this guy's. I think he might be on every roster that I've drafted, and that's Jaden Ivy going around pick one eleven. Uh, I love his explosiveness. I just loved what I saw from him in college, and I think enough of that translated in year one in his NBA career, not afraid to shoot it from deep. So there's a good chance that he finishes. I would say finishing number two in scoring for the Pistons is virtually a lock for Jaden Ivy. So give me, uh, give me all the Ivy I can handle.
1: I I go back and forth on Ivy and I I do think they're going to bring him off the bench and much like buddy healed. I'm not sure it matters. I think he'll play enough minutes that, you know, starting versus coming off the bench is, is kind of a wash. And there's a case to be made that you, you kind of want him maybe operating as the number one option with the bench unit, as opposed to, you know, a, a distant number two behind Kate Cunningham, who's going to have the ball in his hands a ton. Uh, this Detroit roster, by the way, is just bizarre, right? I mean, the, the mix of, like, high upside young players that we like, Cunningham, Ivy, Asar Thompson, and then, like, why is Alec Burks on this roster? Why is Bojan Bogdanovich still on this team? Joe Harris, Monte Morris, like, they, they just have all these random veterans that I, I just wonder... Are, are they going to force them into the lineup? Are, are they going to try to trick themselves into thinking that they're further along than they are? Um, you know, my hope is that they, they offload some of those guys. And then, you know, the front court is obviously just uh, loaded with, with, with guys that I, I don't really love for fantasy this year, other than Jalen Duran, um, I, I will say on Ivy, like I, I avoided him everywhere last year. I, I thought he would be, I thought he'd be more of a hindrance than he was in Roto leagues, especially um, and, and as the season went along, you know, I think that the percentages especially started to fall off. Like he was, he was 41% from the field, uh, was not a good free throw shooter in college that carried over. He was about 74, 75% last season. Um, so, so that's what I'm looking for him to improve, right? Is like, can he, can he be a 44% shooter? Can he be a 78% shooter at the line? Uh, because I, I do think the counting stats are going to be there. Like in a points league, I have no problem taking Jaden Ivey and expecting him to give me you know 16, four and five, even if that means he's coming off the bench.
2: Yeah, he's an exciting player. He's going to get his opportunities. So they—they they, uh, this is a team that still needs to figure out who their foundational pieces are. Chances right. are, Jaden Ivey is one of them.
1: Um, can I sell you on Colin Sexton? Uh, that, thats somebody I've been taking, you know, with with one of my final Maybe. picks in a lot of leagues. You know, composite ADP of one twenty-seven. Uh, you, you'll see him go higher in, in certain formats. You will see him go lower in other formats. Uh, you know, I was, I was kind of in on him last year as well. You know, going to Utah, I'm like, all right, you know, this could be a spot for him to rehab his value. Uh, you know, this is a team that I think we're still not quite sure what the, what the short-term direction is. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think they have some nice pieces in place, but they're, they're still not really close to, you know, contending for a title or anything like that. Uh, I, I, I do still think though you, you look back like college Texas had, had back to back 20 plus point per game seasons in Cleveland. Uh, you know, didn't give you a whole lot else other than that, but uh, you know, kind of medium volume on three pointers. You have three, four assists per game, one steal per game. Good free throw shooter. You take that, uh, but I, I, I do think there's more upside with Sexton than most of the players that you're going to be looking at in the one thirties or one forties.
2: It's another team that's going to score a lot of points, so that th- that leads me to I end up with a lot of Jazz players on my roster okay. for some reason or another. Colin Sexton has not been one of them. Okay. Um, but you you did it. You did a decent job in terms of selling me on on his potential um was able to score 16 points 6 assists uh in the in their last preseason game against a real nba team so i mean this is a guy that is he is going to be a factor in a team uh, on a team that is going to be in a ton of high scoring games the jazz had a lot of fantasy producers last year i just I, I i'm just not a total buyer in terms of the talent and his lack of outside shooting really bothers yeah. me
1: That's fair. That's fair. And I I do worry about where he fits in. Like he's still young, but he's not, he's not maybe young enough for the jazz who I I think want to get looks at like Keontae George, who's looked good in the preseason, you know, tail Horton Tucker, I think is still in the mix uh, for the starting, starting shooting guard spot. So they, they have other guys in that backcourt that I think they may, they may prioritize their development over Colin Sexton, you know, getting his 18 points per game. So that's, that's the main concern for me. Uh, Any other late round guys you want to hit on quick?
2: Yeah, there's uh, there's one more that is uh, more of an affinity play for me because Sadiq Bay of the Hawks is uh, was he was on my uh, daily fantasy rosters uh, during some of my most profitable days. So mm-hmm. he's like my lucky penny. Um, I got to have Sadiq Bay on my on my roster. A lot of mouths to feed in that Hawks offense, but he still got his last year after his trade. From Detroit, twelve points per game in Atlanta. Shot fifty-two percent. He's good for a steal per game. And if Dejounte Murray or DeAndre Hunter ever have to miss time, it is to the moon for my lucky penny, Sadiq Bay.
1: That's funny you say that because I feel like I've had the complete opposite experience with him in in DFS and in season long. It's like I, I'm just always rostering him at the wrong time. But I, I get it. I mean, I think he probably starts at the four for this team, right? I, I, I'm, yeah. you know, it's kind of Bay, Jalen Johnson, Hunter, and Griffin are, are all somewhat interchangeable. Uh, on the wing, but I think he'll be the guy, and I think that was part of the reason that they were comfortable, you know, sending John Collins to, to Utah and not really getting any any major like win now piece back. Um, you know, I think they were just kind of content dropping him and saying, "All right, more minutes for Sadiq Bay." So I, I think yeah, that's a good call there. Uh, you know, for fantasy or obviously you're chasing the points and you're chasing the threes. That's about it with him, and he, he takes so many threes that it it harms his field goal percentage. Like he's he's not a bad shooter, but you know, when you know, I'm trying to look at his, his total, I mean, over half of his attempts in his career have been threes. And you yeah. know, even though he's like a 36, 37% shooter, uh, that's that's just going to drag down your percentages uh, by default. He's also been close to, to one steal per game over the last couple of years. So if he goes from playing 22, 23 minutes to 28, 29 minutes, most nights, then I think it's conceivable that he could push over one steal.
2: Yeah, we just need Quentin Snyder to to, um, to convince him to shoot some more twos, yeah. and then we'll be in the money. With I mean, uh-huh. it, you're getting him right now one thirty nine. Yeah, last pick, Sadiq Bay.
1: The last pick for me in a couple of drafts has been Herb Jones, uh, and you know there's there's a bit of a glut uh, on the wing for New Orleans. That's been the case for the last couple of years, but it's also it's also had a way of just working itself out. Uh, partially because Zion, who you have penciled in for like thirty five minutes a night, just doesn't play. Uh, so that's kind of, that's kind of my hedge for, you know, if, if things go awry with Zion and, you know, for the most part, I'm letting somebody else take that chance. I think Herb Jones is just there as, as the steady guy, uh, who could fill in, you know, he could play shooting guard, he could play on the wing, he could, he could defend up a position if he needs to, uh, you know, Trey Murphy's another guy that I like, but, uh, you know, he's coming off of a knee injury towards meniscus over the summer. I don't think he's going to be ready to go until you know, probably mid to late November, and if he hits the ground running and picks up where he left off, you know, I think he's somebody with higher upside. But uh, Herb Jones, to me, is, is kind of the, the, the ultimate safety valve on this Pelicans roster. And, you know, two years into the league, 1.7 steals, 1.6 steals per game. Uh, he's been a decent three-point shooter as well. I mean, not nearly the same volume as Trey Murphy. But, you know, when you talk about late in a draft, kind of checking in on your different categories, it's like, all right, where do I need a little help here? If I'm light on steals, I'm always grabbing Herb Jones late.
2: Yeah, and and he's almost like a handcuff, like you said, for Zion uh, because his value would shoot up if Zion has to miss time, which you know is going to happen at some point. It's just a matter of hopefully it's not too much time, uh, especially for those that have Zion or for NBA fans in general. Uh, but Herb Jones is probably the most active player on the floor that, uh, that I saw for new Orleans um, last night. Everybody else kind of picks their spots and, you know, Brandon Ingram is their focal point offensively, but Herb Jones is kind of flying around the court. So guys like that are always going to, always going to be an important factor of any NBA team.
1: Yeah. He has been starting in the preseason. And again, we'll see, you know, one Trey Murphy's back. Uh, that, that could be his spot uh, on the wing, but I do think Herb Jones probably opens the season as they're starting three. Um, any other players you want to hit on before we get out? I think I'm good. All right. All right, man. Well, we're over an hour here, so we will we'll be on our way out. Uh, always enjoy doing this episode with you, Brandon. Again, we'll be doing it every Wednesday from now through the end of the NBA season. And frankly, we'll, we'll probably do it in the playoffs, too. There'll be enough to talk about there. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll have some more betting content that we'll mix in throughout the year as well. Talk a little bit of DFS every now and then uh, as the season gets underway. Uh, but we, we thank everybody for, for listening live here on Twitter or on YouTube please like subscribe uh, to the burgeoning Rotowire Fantasy Basketball YouTube channel. We just launched that a couple of weeks ago. It's been great so far, but want to keep building that. So we implore everybody to check us out there. You can find all of our episodes, all of our videos archived on that YouTube channel. And of course, uh, you can find the audio version of this pod uh, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get those pods. Brandon, uh, looking forward to talking to you on SiriusXM later tonight and enjoy the rest of your week.
2: Yes, indeed. Go get some buckets, ladies and gentlemen.